The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. On today's episode of The Patient's Perspective, I interview a old guest and we discuss positive actions that we each took to help cope with our condition. Hi everyone. So today I have Jess, who is a returning guest. Um, Jess was interviewed a few weeks back about how she hikes as a form of like you, Jessica, you hide. So I can't even talk right now. You hike, not hide. We were just talking about how we jumble up words <laughs> before <laughs> I started. It um, <laughs> um, so how Jessica hikes uh, with her MS. So that's one of the things that she does to number one, stay fit. And it's a little bit of a motivator for her and kind of in her own, I'm sure, personal way that she kind of sticks it to her disease is, is if I'm, I wonder if I'm not taking that out of context there, Jess, but. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I've had friends make that comment to me that it's like, you do these things in spite of MS. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely in spite because it's like, you're not going to stop me. Like, yep. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to live. Yep. So I, at the end of that conversation, you and I started getting into something that um, was a completely different topic, which is why I invited you back. So you started talking about, I think, something that you were reading or a book or something, if that <clears throat> jogs your memory at all. Um, and, you know, I also had done things as well, positive things that helped me cope with my condition especially undiagnosed. So that was a whole other podcast that I wanted to do, which is why I invited you back. So thank you for coming back. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So do, do you remember the, was it a book or something? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I referred to the book. It was, um, it's called How to Do the Work. It's written by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And it was an incredible book to read. Now, I only read this book in the last... I'm going to say year and it was such an eye opener to bring some awareness to how I respond to my environment, how I respond to other people, how I respond to my condition, um, how I handle my anger and things like that. So it really focuses on this concept of generational traumas 
and how we've become so programmed through our families and our you know community the people that we were surrounded with as we were growing up just the impact that that can have on as you get older you still carry some of that right and it's not necessarily healthy um, because times change and the way things are dealt with change or they improve and so i feel like that book was a really great way for me to create that awareness and to just be more mindful of, you know, the situations I find myself in and, you know, how I'm reacting to those and where that's coming from. So that was a really great book and I would highly recommend it to anyone really. Um, I know, especially if you're in a, in a position where you're just searching to understand yourself better, um, this book provides that opportunity and it has little exercises throughout the book as well. So it gives you an opportunity to reflect, you know, you don't just sit down and just power through the book. There's actual work to be done as you go through and read each chapter. So I really like how it was broken down in such a way where it gave me an opportunity to reflect and do some introspection. That sounds excellent. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, reading, um, you know, either self-help uh, help books or like motivational books. I know one I really liked and I still have it um, was uh, Always Looking Up by Michael J. Fox uh, with his Parkinson's um, disease. So that one's quite comical. Um, and another one, but I don't know the author, so I apologize for that. I would have to look it up, um, was When the Body Says No. So you probably, I think a lot of people have heard of that book and that one actually there's either one or, or two MS patients that um, this physician goes into who he treated um, at the end of life <clears throat> in, in that book. And for myself, that one helped out because it made me realize that I was taking on too much of other people's issues. Yeah. And exactly what you're kind of talking about, like in terms of generational or just like I had to learn to tell people no. You know, so I, I felt like I was always the person that used to, if you asked me to do something, even if I didn't want to do it, I just did it anyways, because I was nice. And, mm -hmm. and the problem is, is I overtook on too much and I ended up suffering for it, you know, so. Part of that was when the body says no is, is learning to listen to your body so that you don't do that and you don't continuously push yourself over something that you can't maybe physically handle. Although with, you know, hiking and all that sort of stuff, you got to push yourself a little bit, right? Um, but so that book also was <clears throat> fantastic and the fact that um, when this physician looked at many of the people that he was treating who were, you know, especially had like very severe illness, when you looked at their life, um, many of them were in like abusive relationships or had issues with their family or stuff like that. So again, um, you know, that generational um, trauma or just trauma in general seems to be associated with disease and especially the severity of, <clears throat> of conditions, right? Yeah. So for myself, with the hormone allergy, especially when I didn't know what it was, I got to a point where I know 
and I've talked about this publicly before, not on the podcast, but um, with friends and, and stuff like that, where I know I reached a point of having post-traumatic stress disorder. And I went through a time where I was really ill in my 20s. And I got to the point where I noticed I couldn't laugh anymore. Like a true laugh where you're actually happy inside. And that part really scared me because it was going on. I realized that it had already gone on for at least six months to a year. So it was probably around a year or two where I truly, I had to fake laugh. And it was finally, somebody finally said to me, oh, that's a fake laugh. And I realized, huh, they're right. It is. I'm not being genuine at all. I don't have any emotions when I'm laughing and obviously they can tell too. And so that made me turn around and realize that I had been faking it for, and that's when I realized how long it had been. And so knowing due to the fact that I have some psych training myself, I know that that's um, uh, um, one of the symptoms or of, you know, trauma or PTSD. And so that flat affect, right? Like I, I couldn't even crack a smile like if I did smile, it was like almost like a smirk and be like on one side because it was oh fake, right? So I decided I had to try to get myself out of this funk. And what I decided to do was I try, I started watching um, like a, a America's Funniest Home Videos was still on. So I started watching America's Funniest Home Videos Um It took around six months and I watched it every single night. And finally, one day I let out an actual laugh. And it was so, it almost felt foreign because I hadn't done it in so long, but I mean, it was work. I mean, I remember reaching like the three, four month part thinking this is stupid. It's not working you know, maybe I've just changed. I'm too negative and all that sort of stuff. And, and things that I used to find funny, I no longer was finding funny. Right. But then this one, you know, it was six to eight months later and I, I finally let out a laugh. And so gradually I was able to get myself out, although it wasn't immediate. It wasn't like I laughed that one time. And then I was this happy go lucky person with all my feelings back again. It didn't work that way. Uh, it took me probably at least another two or three months. And then I started noticing that I was uh, genuinely enjoying the show again. Right. Um, but I mean, I've mentioned this to other persons and some persons say, well, I don't like stuff like that. And I say, well, that's fine. What do you find funny? Some people it's audiobooks. Some people it's reading. Some people it's America's Funniest Home Videos or you know, with some people, yeah, like, like, like kind of, yeah, cat videos, you know, so persons have to find individual things that work for them, because everybody is unique, right? So, I mean, what other things, um, like, if you can think back, what other things do you think that you did uh, to help yourself if you were in a rut, or, or if you were like to bring up your mood, or like, what positive actions have you taken? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, like that was, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, like that was a whirlwind. My whole world was, you know, in this little snow globe, it was shaken and pieces of my life were falling everywhere. And it took me, it took me a while. Um, 
to be able to find some positivity. And one of the ways that I did that was just recognizing that I needed a change. I needed to find something that was going to encourage me to focus more on what I can do rather than worrying about what I might not be able to do tomorrow. So that was doing the yoga retreat. Um, I went to the Yasodera Ashram in BC and I spent 10 days there with you know the the swamis and they were so fantastic so like we'd have to be up super early in the morning we go do yoga for an hour and then go and have breakfast um we would eat breakfast in absolute silence because it was that practice of mindfulness um so you know when you take a bite of food thinking about where did that food come from the soil it was grown in um how it was nurtured into the plant it became and now it found its way to my plate um on the table and i'm eating it and i'm thinking about the flavorings and just appreciating everything that led to that food going into my mouth you know, and I think that was a that was a really big thing because it was for me, it was an easy way to really tap into that concept of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So once I started to become more mindful, that's when I started to notice where I actually needed to shift. So shifting my perspective from, you know, that victim mentality, which I think is it's easy for us to fall into that as human beings because change is difficult. And sometimes we feel it's just easier to give in to whatever it is that we're facing rather than trying to work with it and paying attention to where you can do that. So, you know, going going to the yoga retreat was a huge one. I remember coming back and feeling like sensory overload because this isn't a very small place, right? Like there is nothing, you're in the forest, it's quiet, it's beautiful. All you hear are birds, you're not hearing traffic and sirens and people yelling or anything like that. And living in a city, coming back to all of those things in a city, it was incredibly overwhelming. Like this, the lights were hard on my eyes, the noise just, I was like, it, it made me cringe. Um, so it, it was really difficult for me to hold on to the concepts that I was taught now being back in the city, because this is where the challenge really began for me mm-hmm. is like, okay, like all these outside inputs, I need to try to keep them at bay a little bit and not allow them to completely penetrate my being and influence me in a negative way. So being able to identify those things and creating space especially now um, for just quiet time and rest. You know, I think that that was a really big one. And one that I still struggle with as much as I hate to admit that, um, you know, I have to take, I have to really give myself permission to rest, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was a, a really great way for me to learn how to do that and being aware of that. So I know like I've got, I know your listeners aren't going to see this, but I've got like a stack of books sitting here that I pulled out for this podcast because I thought they were important to mention. Um, I love to read. I love self-help books. 
And that's really, books are, are where I go to, to seek knowledge and ideas about how to be more adaptable to conditions such as they are, whether it be MS or any other illness or just day-to-day -day living for someone even without an illness. You know, these are important skills, I think, that we let go to the wayside because I didn't have any of these skills leading up to my diagnosis. You know, you get thrown into it and you feel like a fish out of water. You don't know what you're doing. So I turned to books to learn how to, okay, how am I going to deal with this? What's some good things or some good strategies um, to create a better environment for myself and to be more kind to myself. So one of the books that, one of the first books that I read um, was When Everything Changes, Change Everything. Mm -hmm. Now, full disclosure, I did not read the book. The title itself was enough of a cue to me to be like, okay, my whole life has changed. It's time for me to figure out what I need to change to be able to succeed in my life while dealing with this illness. So I forget who wrote that one, but um, I've heard really great things about it. But like I said, the title alone was enough of a cue for me to be like, okay, yes, this is what I'm facing now. This is what I need to do. So from there, I started reading books like um, Warrior Goddess Training. It's by Heather Ash Amara. She writes quite a few books and she focuses on the, the female aspect of things. And I think that that's really important because as women, we are perceived as our, our feminine energy is to be nurturing, right? And this is where that inability to say no comes in because mm -hmm. we want to nurture others and we do feel that pressure, especially as women. So yeah, her books really focus on empowering your femininity and really tapping into that. And so I, I actually, I bought the book and then I got the companion workbook because I wanted to work through it a little bit more. And I, I was able to learn a lot about myself through that process. And I think that's what all of this really was, is just a discovery of who am I and who do I want to become, you know, instead of remaining in that stagnant victim mentality place, where it can have some such a negative impact, you know, on your physical health, your mental health, your social life, um, your work life, all of that. If you're stuck in that stagnant victim mentality, it can never really get better, you know, and we often look to others to pull us out of that and taking responsibility and being accountable for yourself becomes hugely important because no one can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. Others can provide you resources like books and podcasts and you know funny videos and, and these types of things, but every, all of that's meaningless unless you do something with it. Yes, it is so. for myself. Um, I started to take walks in um, Fish Creek Park, which for the listeners out there, Jess and I both reside in um, the same city. So um, if you don't mind me 
saying that, Jess. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's totally fine. Totally fine. No. Um, so, you know, no, I, I live through, under a rock. <laughs> so I uh, used to go out for walks there all the time. So I started off slow. That's actually how I found out I had a photo allergy because I would get there. And in about 15 minutes, I would realize even with sunscreen on that I would start to almost blister. That's when it was really bad. Like it's not as bad as it used to be, like sometimes five to 10 minutes. And then I realized that um, getting on sunscreen only gave me about maybe five or 10 more minutes. <laughs> so oh, I was like, oh man, this is serious. You know? <laughs> so I used to have to go like in the afternoon, like later afternoons because after work, but so that's how I started was I, you know, started going for walks. I would have my, my you know, music with me. I'm really big into music. Um, that's probably my next love is all, all kinds like heavy metal to classical. I am the weirdest person, everything in between. Right. And I, I keep up with music even up today, which is most people don't, it's not my favorite, but I'll listen to it. It's okay. Some of it's cool. Um, my 13 year old thinks I'm cool. So, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's a win right there. He came up and gave me a hug the other day, just behind me and was hugging me. And I said, you know, most 13 year olds don't like to hug, hug their mom. And, and, and I'm like, but I'm like, I'm, I'm short and I'm cute. So, and I'm going to stay that way for my rest of my life. And he's like, that's right. So, <laughs> so, Aww, adorable. <laughs> so he might be embarrassed when I tell people that, but Anyways, um, so I have my music going for walks and, and like you said, it's really learning about yourself. And what I found is that for me, the time that I spent alone analyzing was really important because I ended up learning a lot about myself. And now for myself, what I've found is that the worst kind of stress for me is what either I call or other people call micro stress. So that's like the little stressors throughout the day, traffic. Um, they actually did a study and found out that majority of heart attacks, there's a, there's a increase in heart attacks. Um, and again, I don't know the name of the study. This is why this is the patient's perspective. <laughs> we can't remember <laughs> stuff like this. I can't whip out the writer who did it or whatever. You know, that's for the doctors to do that. But um, yeah. it was. You can Google it later. I can Google it later. But I do remember, and I remember that, you know, they had, um, you know, this was probably about five, six, seven years ago that they realized that the majority of heart attacks, so there's an increase of heart attacks just before, or sorry, just after traffic people. So it's in the morning or on the way home. And that made a lot of sense to me because I like hated traffic. I also would get stressed out even going to a grocery store and, and like, like a 7-Eleven. Like if you stopped when I was a kid, um, we used to travel a lot because both my parents were teachers. And so we would travel during the summer and we would pull off to the side and we would go into the, the 7-Eleven. I mean, how many chocolate bars are there? And so my parents would be like, you only get one. Well, oh my God, there's like, you know, you're a kid, there's 20 chocolate bars. How do I decide? There's a time limit. Oh my God. Yeah. How do I pick? You know, eat more coffee crisp. I don't know. <laughs> so, so it was all these little micro stressors and it sounds silly, but all those micro stressors pile up. And so once they pile up, that's actually what affected my mood the most. Like I could, I found I could actually handle large issues better 
then I could handle those little micro stressors throughout the day. So my biggest goal in life, and, and this is where super geniuses like Elon Musk understand this. Men like, or not men, shouldn't say that. Um, I was going to say millionaire men or billionaire men, but there's millionaire and billionaire women as well. It's just we don't see them as often, right? Um, what was his Steve Jobs. Mm. He always wore, wasn't it him who always wore a black shirt? And the reason why, and Elon Musk does this as well, and it's because these men have it down to a T. They wear the same outfit every single day, basically, because that choice is no problem for them. They get up, they put on the same outfit, and they go out the door. You know, yeah. so they had an understanding of that already. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. How many times are like, you know, especially women with our, or people who you know identify as women get up and, and there's all these assortment of clothes and you're, you're running around and you're trying to find your clothes in the laundry basket and one outfit goes with each other and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It all takes time. Yeah. It takes time and it takes energy. And, you know, I, I think a, a big part of a big part of that, like when you start talking about those stressors and not not working right now and not having worked for the last year, I don't have to think about, oh my God, do I have work clothes that I, mm -hmm. that you know, are work appropriate? What am I going to wear? Because suddenly now it's also become a fashion statement, right. right? So if you dress a certain way, you wear certain brands, you're perceived as being more successful. But that's not necessarily true, such as Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, like yep. wearing the simple stuff takes all the guesswork out of it and they don't have to think about that. So, I mean, these days I don't think about it because my default is sweats and a tank top, you know, <laughs> that's, that's about as far as I get. <laughs> unless I'm going to the gym or going hiking or something like that. But I have very specific clothing that I have set aside that's for those activities. Yeah. So I'm not having to think about, oh, God, what, what do I need to wear? I mean, yeah, with hiking, you need to plan ahead and be prepared and all of these things. Um, but as long as you have like that go to outfit, that go to combination of clothing, then you're set. It takes away that micro stressor. And with that, I've been trying to trying. It, it's very hard with two boys. Um, I personally have been trying now for several years to really get into minimalism. So mm -hmm. for myself, even though I'm not going to go as severe as Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, I'm kudos to them for, you know, opening up my eyes to what micro stress is and what some persons are doing is they're only coming up with like 10 outfits and they literally make the outfits some of them even take pictures of them this is getting a little bit up there with the with the minimalism <laughs> they take yeah. polaroids and then they know what the outfit's supposed to look like and they only have 10 outfits and then they know what they have and we have such a i mean this is why this conversation could go on for a long time because just the way um society is set right now mm -hmm. you know there's so much micro stress 
that needs that 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 not needs but if you really find that it affects you which is what i found um you know that that you can actually yourself somehow manage absolutely absolutely and i mean it's like you were saying you know having music i think music is huge it's huge for me too because it helps me through whatever i'm feeling whatever i'm thinking whatever my mood is that day you know i if i'm feeling particularly like upset or angry that's when the metal tunes come out and i'll rock out for a bit you know and listen to all of that and then come out on the flip side and I don't feel angry anymore because it's all come out in the music <laughs> and I can sing along and, you know, so it, it, it's a good outlet. And I think also living in a city, when you start talking about being in traffic, being in a city, traffic is unreal. Like there's just so many people, right, that are going to and from work to appointments, lunches, dinners, all of that stuff. The roads are very rarely empty. So one of the things that I would start to do is because I would be one of those people that would get stressed out if someone would cut me off or Mm -hmm. if, you know, you have a signal light, why the heck aren't you using it? Like it's right there next to your (laughs) finger. Like how hard can this be? But, you know, like I, I would get really worked up about those things. And then I started just turning on the music, sitting down, obviously paying attention when you're in rush hour you're not really moving anywhere fast so it was just like i'm gonna get there when i get there that was my mentality and i would just breathe through it you know if someone cut me off give just give them a wave a friendly wave i'm not talking about the middle finger wave. <laughs> although that one does come out sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but but I feel like by doing that, then I'm just reinforcing that stress, right? Yeah. So it's just like, you know, friendly wave. Yeah, no problem. You just get right on ahead of me. Like, I'll see you at the next light, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, get to the next light, look over and smile and be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's, it's finding those little adjustments that you can make and it's it can be so simple you know like having that music or just breathing i think is a really big one you know Mm -hmm. and obviously when you're driving you need to pay attention to the road and to other drivers and things like that there's a certain level of defensive driving that you need to be able to to do when you're out there but being chill about it You know, like, what is it going to do for me to get angry about buddy who cut me off? Like, what what does that accomplish? It accomplishes nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's another big part of things is I spent, it wasn't just that I was overwhelmed by getting a diagnosis. I was also angry because it was like, what did I do to deserve this? This is not fair. This is not okay, you know? And yeah, I went through a phase where I was just, perpetually angry and that came out in a lot of my social media and some people would comment be like oh gosh Jess you're being really negative you shouldn't post that and and it was just like this is an outlet for me like maybe not the greatest outlet you know I did pursue counseling and things like that to kind of help but I finally came to the realization that being upset about something isn't going to change it you know I changed what is within my power to change and everything else. You know what it is? It is what it is. Is it great? 
no okay well i guess you know i just have to keep on keeping on and stay on my journey my mom who um she's actually going to be interviewed fairly soon coming up here um she has lupus as well as primary biliary cirrhosis so she has a couple of autoimmune conditions and she said with her diagnosis with lupus you know she went through the same thing where she was upset and was um you know the why me and and blah 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 and then she goes one day i just realized why the hell not me why am i so special <laughs> what's so special that i can't get sick yeah you know yeah. If, it, if it's why somebody else you know so you know, that's what she went through. And then she also had, um, you know, a saying for me, because I always wanted to like kind of run away and, and all that sort of stuff in terms of like, like leaving the, the province and like when I was really sick and stuff like that, you know, the new change and big changes. Um, and thank that's God that I- get your hair done. That's when yeah, you get yeah. your hair done. <laughs> so, and, and she would say, you know, it doesn't matter where you go you will still be you when you get there yeah. right so basically you're gonna have to deal with whoever you are or whatever you have or or wherever wherever you are like it's moving is not going to change anything you're you're no. still going to be you like basically you have to deal with whatever this is or whatever you're going through because changing addresses is not going to help no exactly and i think again that that goes back to just you know you're looking for an easier way you think that by running from it you can leave it behind but the, it, there's truth it follows you because it, it it's you it's affecting you as a person so it's very i think it, it can be a real challenge though to shift from that mindset into understanding that you have to deal with it and it's uncomfortable. Oh, is it ever uncomfortable? There's some truths about myself that I've learned through reading and such that I was not okay with. Like I did not like realizing certain things about myself, but by doing so, it was like, now I can change it. Now I can put in some effort to shift that in a more positive direction. And it doesn't even mean that we're perfect now either. Like I still go through days where I can't or weeks where I can't laugh. And that's when I have to remind myself, but I find I can get the laughter back a lot quicker than I did when I was, you know, really in that funk. So, but yeah, I mean, so it's not, you know, we learn about ourselves and now we're perfect. (laughs) Oh, no, no. And I dare say, and I say this a lot, perfection is an illusion. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as much as, you know, society wants to say that there's this idea of being perfect. No, no, that's a standard that they set. That's not the standard that you have to have, you know, and not being free of that societal pressure can be so healing for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like you said, like spending time with yourself alone, with your own thoughts and going through those your own processes it can really start to help you heal because you do develop that mindful awareness, right? And having that introspective capacity is hugely important. And it's not necessarily a skill that we're taught, you know, it's something that you do, you almost have to seek it out for yourself and try it, 
just try. That's all you have to do. Because once you try something and lo and behold, something works, you can take that and be like, all right, I have this part figured out. What's next? Yep. You know, what's, I always say, what's the worst that can happen? You know, what, like, like, you know, if you want to dance with that girl and you're too embarrassed, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Just going to say no. Yeah. So it's the same no, thing. So you think about what, what's, what really is the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. And it, this or if you do that. And it's also about, I think, you know, there, there's power in vulnerability, being vulnerable, you know, and I don't think that we talk about that enough because especially in today's world, especially living in a city, everyone's so blocked off and not, not willing to be vulnerable for fear, you know, whether that fear be for their safety or, you know, fear of being judged or um, your experience diminished, you know, all of these things start to come into play, but there's great power in vulnerability. And for me, like doing all that hiking stuff, especially when I go out and do my solo adventures, I'm being hugely vulnerable. You know, I'm by myself. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> we talked about that. that in there. Say, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, but, you know, like I've gained so much clarity around who I am and the type of person that I want to be just by going out and being vulnerable in that situation, being prepared and safe and all of that. But there's a certain degree of vulnerability of going out there and being fully reliant on myself. So the hiking has really brought that to the forefront of my mind in a lot of ways because it's forced me to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I forced myself to do it, you know, because that's where I gain my greatest moments of clarity. Um, and understanding for myself and for others. In order to, I find to a lot, a lot of the times in order to find out about yourself, you have to get uncomfortable. Yes. And, and, and that's the problem is that we, as humans, we don't like to be uncomfortable at all, <laughs> you know, so people will fight it, you know, um, for, for myself is traveling. Like I've wanted to travel um, since you know, since I was probably about 16, 17, my dream was to be one of those hippie people. Um, hi back then it was hitchhiking. Thank goodness it never actually happened. I had a girlfriend actually that hitchhiked with her boyfriend when she was about 17, 18. And they traveled for two years and they came back when they were like 18 or 19. Um, but I'm, you know, a petite woman, you know, like it would not have been safe. <laughs> oh yeah, there's kind of, you know, there's yeah. a little bit of like, you need to, to be able to discern when yeah. something is like truly not safe. Yeah, and I was very sick back then and being alone probably would have been the worst situation, you know. But now that I'm diagnosed and I have a plan, um, like I have a minivan and I'm going on my first little trip where I've planned it this year and I'm going to do just two nights in the van, one on the way to the place. And then once I get to the place, I'm going to have a hotel and all that. And then one on my way back. And so I've been kind of building this van conversion, although everything is not permanent, uh, and figuring out the best way you know, to sleep in the van. That's been happening now for years. Uh, and then, of course, COVID hit, and then it probably wasn't the best time to be traveling. <laughs> so yeah. I've had some extra time to 
you know, to, to um, fix everything up the way I want it. But I mean, I booked it. I booked it a, like a week or so ago. I got my campsites. I'm going to take the dog with me and I'm doing it. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Because I mean, this, this also speaks very much about, you know, goal setting. Yeah. If there's something that you want to do, like really think about, okay, I want to do this. How can I do this? How can I do this safely? How, you know, and really exploring all of that and then making it happen. I'm, I know for you, like for you and for anybody, really, when you start to goal plan and have these moments where you're like okay i think i'm ready now let's go let's do this on the flip side of that you come out of it out of the experience with so much empowerment like and i'm all about that i think that's that's what we need to have more of in people is for them to feel empowered and to find that for yourself is challenging it's not an easy thing to do and to be okay if you fail. Like I, we tried traveling. I tried traveling with the two kids when my youngest was a baby and we did tent. We, like we, we went one night <laughs> and it was an absolute disaster. Number one, we found out that, you know, again, we're allergic to heat and cold, myself and the boys. And I woke up with the most swollen legs I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, ended up throwing up on the drive home because uh, the tent doesn't give enough coverage, which is why I've had to move the sleeping into the van, right? So that's been a big, I, I learned, you know, I, I, I did it. It was a total disaster. I got rid of the tent. I threw it away after that. I was warming up a formula in my, in my sleeping bag. Cause that was the only way I could keep the bottle warm or to keep it warm throughout the night was to have it in the sleeping bag with me. Like you, you learn things about how to do things, right? Nobody taught me to do that. I had to come up with that on my own. Um, so, but, but, so now it's this challenge. How can I stay sleep in the van? So, you know, I have a gent little solar generator where I can have two little mini fans in the van. I have ways to have the windows open with netting on the outside. I have curtains. I have, you know, I figured out how to set up my bed the other, you know, last week. And so it's, I'm trying it again, <laughs> but just, but safely, like only one night there and one night back. So if it goes bad, it's only one night. And then if it goes well, then I might extend it the next time. Right. Yeah. So it, it's challenging yourself and, you know, and learning about what you, what, what are your limits? Absolutely. And being open to the experience, you know, whether you succeed or fail, yeah. it, it's not, it's not going to, you're not going to, how do I say it? You're not lesser of a person if you fail. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. Bang on right there because it's, it's just part of that process of learning when you, when you're going through that learning process, it's, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. I mean, if you never failed in life, how do you ever grow as a person? You don't, you don't build character without failure, you know, and it's okay to fail. Now look at the stories we have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh gosh, so many. Oh man, that could be, we could go on for a while about some of those things. But now, yeah, like all all learning experiences, and that's how you have to perceive it. Is that it's a learning experience? It's like, okay, well that didn't work. I'll do something different for next time, and then see if that works. And then adjusting them. That's correct. Yeah. So with the listeners out there, um, 
I have invited Jess to become a returning guest. And Jess and I have very exciting news. Um, we are going to be jointly doing a po like podcast episodes throughout each month where we're going to be doing positivity challenges. And listeners can join in uh, if you guys would like. Um, but Jess and I are going to do these listening or these listening, these positivity challenges where we challenge each other into um, doing actions that are positive. And then we will come back at the end of the month and talk about, you know, how the week went. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, sometimes I'm sure we're going to succeed. And other times it maybe won't work out, right? <laughs> yeah. No, this it's very, I'm very excited for this because I think that having other people being able to hear that you're trying to do these challenges and then really discussing it, whether you've succeeded or failed, will really demonstrate that it's still possible. Even, even though it's challenging and it takes time, it'll take repeated effort and awareness, it can happen, it can be done. You can make that shift away from the victim mentality into a more proactive mentality where you feel more positive about yourself and your circumstances. Yeah, so we, um, we hope that uh, listeners will get a lot of enjoyment out of these episodes, uh, as well as just inspiration. And, you know, I can't wait to do it either. So with that said, um, Jess, I'll let you go for today and we'll make up another time to uh, meet each other uh, again to start these challenges. But to the listeners out there, look forward. Uh, we look forward to these positivity challenges that should be starting up in and around June. Bye, everyone. Bye, Jess. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective.